Support for this episode is provided by Mountain Valley Spring Water, bottled continuously since 1871 right here in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Mountain Valley Spring Water has been the go-to for U.S. Presidents, Elvis, Sugar Ray Robinson, and even Triple Crown winner Secretariat. Visit mountainvalleyspring.com to find your local distributor today. Welcome back to Around the Diamond, all you baseball fanatics. I'm your host, Steve, and joined, as always, by the podcast better half, Mr. Baseball Guru himself, Kevin Bohannon. How are you tonight, Kevin? Doing good, Steve. Excited uh, to bring on our guest tonight to get to hear some of the inner workings and how things work on the road as a MLB scout. Yeah, absolutely. So I promise I unmuted us. I think we're good to go, actually, so I didn't mess all that up. Um, and, and we've got an exciting show. You you alluded to it there. Uh, we're joined by Steve Moritz, scout for the San Diego Padres. We're going to talk some MLB draft as well as what this season could entail. I'm really excited to get a, a little inside look at the world of a Major League Baseball scout. And after we're done soft-tossing around with Steve, we're going to jump back right back into our series on baseball on Razorback baseball signees with three more break, breakdowns by the baseball guru. So without further delay, let's rock and roll. Kevin, you doing all right over there still with us, man? Yeah, doing good. Stay on here, buddy. All right. Well, more. we'll let you jump into it here with Steve. Steve, welcome. Uh, the only question I have for you, uh, just as we get started real quick before I let uh, Kevin take over, is, you know, I was going through your Twitter and can't help but uh, couldn't help but notice all the dinosaur wars and Jurassic Park stuff you got going on <laughs> over there. So I had to mention that. Yeah, i got a four-year-old, man. He, uh, he's one of those dinos, man. He, he's learned those, uh, those names and knows a lot more than I do. I'm, I'm 37 and a four-year-old. Way more versed than I am when it comes to Dino Land. <laughs> I have a seven and three-year-old. I, I feel it. So I feel it. Feel your, feel your, uh, feel, feel what you got going on there for sure. And I'm starting to figure, think my seven-week-old has more sense than I do sometimes, <laughs> but that's to be determined. But uh, yeah. yes, Steve, we're really excited to have you with tonight. Of course, Steve Moritz, San Diego Padre Scout. Welcome uh, to Around the Diamond. And we wanted to talk to you. We talked to college baseball coaches, uh, college players, high school players, uh, Caden Wallace, young man that you've seen a few times. And we've gotten their take on what they've been doing and what they're doing going forward, looking into the MLB draft, whether it be in June or July. But with the draft being shortened down to five rounds this year and possibly 20 next year, who is this going to benefit the most? Well, I would say it's going to benefit college baseball uh, the most. You know, you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to return uh, to their prospective colleges and, um, you know, there's not going to have as much opportunity probably to sign. Uh, and then specifically, I think, you know, the junior colleges, the uh, Division II, um, you know, I think, I think you're going to see an uptick in talent level at those levels. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think college baseball is going to benefit the most from this. That's what when we had talked about in the past over here that, there's going to be a talent log jam, and that's what Casey Martin mentioned last week. He said that a lot of teams in the SEC are going to look like Florida and Arkansas did in 2018 
when they made runs to Omaha and, you know, Arkansas ended up getting to the national finals against Oregon State. But, and it's just amazing to see the level of arms that are coming mm-hmm. into college baseball now and into the pro level. Looking at, you know, we, we saw Cade Cavalli this year. Arkansas saw him. And, but looking at guys like Nick Abel, that's mm-hmm. coming out of the prep ranks. These guys are throwing 97, 98 miles per hour, and some of them aren't even 18 years old yet. Yeah, I mean, Velo is, is everywhere now. And, you know, I've only been scouting uh, for six years. And just to see, even at the major level, you know, on our scouting scale, the average fastball Velo, you know, has increased, um, you know, on our scale. And, yeah, Velo is everywhere now, man. I mean, with the technology and some of these third parties and what they can do, um, you know, it's not the same to say that I throw 90 miles an hour anymore, which, you know, is kind of fun for us because now you're talking about pitchability. You're talking about ability to spin. Uh, there's more integral parts to scout than just pull the radar gun and say, okay, well, let's get those parts. Um, but yeah, Velo, Velo's everywhere, man. And talking about prospects for just a second, I know a lot of guys throw hard, but who is the best prospect that you've had? as far as pitchability and guy that can go out there and really pitch in the prep rank, amateur ranks. Yeah. Um, uh, name comes to mind is Braxton Garrett. Um, the Marlins took him in 16, I think at seven overall. And he's a high school kid out of Alabama. And to see what he could do as an 18 year old, um, you know, there were nights that I honestly thought he could pitch the big leagues at 18. He threw that, that many strikes, uh, quality of strikes. And the present breaking ball was, was very impressive. Uh, so Brax would be right there. Um, and then, you know, Dakota Hudson is another one. Uh, Mississippi State, same year. Yeah. Um, the St. Louis took. You know, Dakota didn't pitch much his first couple of years at Mississippi State. And he goes out to the Cape and has a big year. Uh, comes back at a great fall. And we were all at his first start. Um, opening Friday night at Mississippi State. 12, 13,000, wherever where the case might be, were there. And, I mean, he looked like kind of a deer in headlights. You know, I remember he actually balked in a run in the first inning. Um, so you're kind of going, okay, you know, let's see how this plays out. And, man, by the time SEC played a roller, I didn't take long, three, four, five weeks. It was like, um, give me the ball, I'm the man, and you're going to be out. So to watch, like, his transgression and how quickly it happened, um, you know, really stands out. And both those guys were my second year scouting and, and uh, you know, taught me a lot. And, you know, we get to see young – I mean, Manny Machado is now with the Padres, and I know you didn't get to see him coming up uh, as a scout. But, you know, guys like that, you're always looking for the next one that could impact your program. And, you know, with the draft shortened down to five rounds now, it makes your work and the scouting department's work. Y'all have to be on top of your game, you know, from the, the past all the way to now and in the future as well as y'all are putting together teams not for just the – big club but for the minor leagues as well yeah and that, and that's kind of the fun part of, about the job is you know you could have a, a 17 year old high school ready with you know all this projection left in the body and um you know take take that player and then you got to take you know take Kate Tavali we already talked about him you know big horse that has got you know the now stuff and you know it's our job to you know we're not scouting for now we're scouting to look in the future and you know again that's kind of the fun part of the job and uh yeah it, it's it's the hard part, but it's also the uh, most enjoyable part. So, Talking about the, go ahead, Chase. Well, I was going to say, so in, in terms of the draft and just, uh, you know, as we start to, as maybe, I guess we're starting to see more players come out of the, you know, out of the, out of the college ranks versus going straight from high school as we're starting <laughs> to see some, you know, the, they're starting to see, I guess, that the, the difference in development um, and, and, you know, w- 
what are you seeing from as from a scout's perspective in terms of the talent coming out of college versus the talent coming out of high school? Do you think more guys are going that college route? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, you're still you're, you're fronting guys. You know, you're, you're guys that um, are quote unquote famous. They're still going to go, you know, good and get and get their money. Um, but I think with again the technology advances that you know especially on the pitching side, they're there. And some of these, these colleges have these pitching, these elaborate pitching labs and, um, you know, the ability, ability to um, get these guys better is, is improved. And, you know, there's a little bit of a trend with, you know, college pitching coaches going straight to be a big league pitching coach. You know, Wes Johnson comes to mind. Uh, one of the first guys to do it was, was DJ Johnson. Uh, he was at Vanderbilt, uh, Milwaukee, and he's with Cincinnati now, Cincinnati Reds now. Um, you know, these guys are just becoming more and more uh, knowledgeable um, and, and they're good at what they do. So, yeah, I think that the selling point uh, for these high school guys is, hey, you know, come to school for two, three years and, and we're going to get you to where you need to be. And now we have the resources and the uh, the, the medical, the, the science behind it and, and can prove that, hey, we're going to get you better. Let's jump over and talk about some of the things that Major League Baseball has had to deal with lately. Last week, they came out and said, look, I think we're going to be able to start in June, maybe the 1st of July, and have a 100-game season. We're going to split the teams into three divisions, do it geographically. You'll have the East, the Central, and the West. Maybe start out in Florida, Texas, and California, or Arizona, like they originally planned. But they're going to get to play in their home stadiums. And that was a big thing that Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw, some of the big names, came out and said that they really wanted to do, they really didn't want to stay away from their, their families. Mm-hmm. Do you see that happening, Steve? Yeah, I do. I, I think there's been a commitment um, by Major League Baseball, by the players union, to have some sort of a season this year. And, um, you know, listening to, you know, our GM and, and our owners talk on, on conference calls, you know, that's been the main goal. Is, right, we got to get everyone safe, uh, get this thing under control, uh, but we're committed to having some sort of a season. Now, what that looks like, you know, there's been all sorts of ideas thrown around. And, you know, um, I, I do think there's going to be a season. And it sounds like this newest uh, model is, is catching the most uh, wind. Um, I know one of the first things that, you know, was thrown out there was spring training complexes. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that was a comfort level. I mean, these guys don't want to go and not have access to their, their home spring training facilities or home stadiums. Uh, so a lot of it's just comfort because you got, I mean, you got to think you're on the road and hundred games and all this other stuff. Um, it's important those guys to have some sort of comfort uh, where they're going to be for the foreseeable future. And, you know, personally, we, we played at the spring training complex here in Jupiter and then also mm-hmm. out in Arizona. You've been out there as well. Mm-hmm. And it's that, that's just not the home feel of a major league stadium and the amenities no. that they have there. Yeah. So I, I can see that from that point of view. And, you know, talking about you've been a scout for six years now and you were a coach before that. Uh, how has scouting changed? I know you work with a great scouting department there with the Padres. You, you look at the movie Trouble with the Curve and Clint mm-hmm. Eastwood. He was old school. He did it by feel and sound, which I'm kind of the same way. I'm in that same age group. You, I'm 39 years old now. And you can hear that sweet sound coming off of that. Caden Wallace, for example. Mm-hmm. You pay attention. A Nate Wolgamuth, when it hits the mitt, you know that kid's going hard, and that's pure. How has technology come into play to where – you know, you get to see it, but you get to see everybody at once now, too, with all the showcases. Mm-hmm. How has it changed over the last 10, 15 years? Well, I think just the advancement in the uh, accessibility 
um, in, in, in um, you know, the analytical side has grown uh, tremendously, just like I said, in my six years. Um, and then the more important part is the ability to transfer all that data to the players on how to get them better. Um, you know, you could, you could have how fast you swing the bat through the zone, how hard the ball comes off the bat, um, you know, how much spin rate there is and all this other stuff. But if you can't take that and then uh, utilize it and give it to the players to help them you know, get better, then you're not really, um, you know, there's no reason to do it. So that's probably been the biggest change, again, just in the last few years, is the amount of data collected uh, and then how to apply it uh, on the field. Uh, and, and then along with that, it's the prediction, you know, the predicting of, you know, where their ceilings are um, and trends, you know, with, with different numbers and stuff that I'm not really that well-versed in. Um, but, yeah, it, it, that, that also has helped is, is predicting measurements and, and getting guys um, to reach their peak potential. So I got a question uh, just in follow-up of that. Has that made your job any more difficult when you start thinking about, I mean, I'm sure you've probably dealt with most of it since, you know, being in the, in, in the, in the world for about six years, but is that, does that make it a little more difficult in terms of the amount of information? I know obviously sometimes information <laughs> overload versus the old, mm-hmm. the old school way of doing, you know, just, just scouting a guy. Now you're, now you're really delving into analytics and all these, you know, like you said, the technology that's coming from different programs and the stuff that you guys have, mm-hmm. does that make your job any more difficult? I want to say difficult. Uh, I, I can, you know, different clubs do different ways. Uh, but we really try and keep the, the data side, the science side, the analytics side separate from the quote-unquote scouting side. I mean, they're still scouting, but I guess the, the old school way. Um, so, you know, it, it, we don't really – we try not to take, you know, too much of it to clog and, like you said, data overload uh, our opinions and our grades. But at the same time, um, you know, once we understand – and we can understand why, you know, this is better than this. Um, then it, yeah, it actually helps our job, you know, and, and we can look at these predictive measurements and, and look at, you know, swing and miss rates and, um, you know, the tunneling and how the curveball plays off the fastball, like these specific things. Um, and it can help your job. So the important thing is, uh, is to have that clear line and understand what it all means. If you don't know what it all means, then, you know, again, it's not going to do you any good. So uh, maybe a long-winded way of answering that. Um, I don't think it's made it harder. It's it just made it different. And I'll have to give Steve credit. You know, the first time I met you, we talked about the ball player himself and not mm-hmm. what his exit dealer was, how hard he was throwing. We talked about some of the old-school ways of scouting mm-hmm. and, you know, how he handles things on the field, you know, what's his background, things like that. And it's kind of refreshing instead of just sitting behind a computer and letting, you know, some numbers go into the computer and here's what comes out, the perfect prospect. You know, that's not out there. There's still a, a, a feel, a gut feeling to this, you know, trade that you have and that, you know, we all love in the game of baseball. So it's really good to see that, you know, you do have the scouting side, you do have the analytical side. So it's really neat to see. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, becoming a big leaguer's heart. I mean, there's so much diversity. And I actually coached in professional baseball for one year, um, and, and I never played professionally, but I got to coach for one year. And just to see the obstacles, the hurdles might go on for forever uh, about all these different, you know, reasons why a guy might not make the big leagues. It's not always talent, you know. And and there's guys that aren't the most talented, but they, they grind and they, they have this um, inner makeup that allows them to get there and, and reach their potential. So yeah, I mean. The human side of it, 
um, you know, is very important. And I think that's where um, you can actually separate yourself, not just as a scout, but you can separate the players a little bit. You know, hey, this kid has been through this and done this, and this guy handled this, and this is what his teammates and parents and teachers and coaches say about him. And, you know, it's not about being a perfect human because there are guys in the big leagues that aren't perfect angels. So it's not necessarily <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily <laughs> they don't all have to be choir boys, but there's got to be a process and a reason of why and who they are and how they got to be who they are. And that's, that's really important. Now I got to come out and ask this since it just came down for the NCAA today. Yeah. And we've talked about it on sports shows this afternoon, drive time sports, but the NCAA came down and said, okay, players can profit off their likeness without promoting you. There, there's a whole thing to go into on that. Do you think that affects amateur amateurism in the draft moving forward that kids might stay in school or go to school as opposed, as opposed to going to the professional ranks? Well, yeah, I mean, again, this is a brand new topic in, in uncharted territory. Um, and so my initial, you know, gut tells me that, you know, those families that may be struggling um, financially more than other families, um, yeah, if they can go to school and, and put some money in their pocket and, you know, become the, the cover of, you know, a, a video game or self jerseys, whatever the case might be, yeah, it's lucrative, you know. Um, I, it's going to be a slippery slope to see how it all plays out. Um but I, I would not rule out that, yeah, it is going to, you know, at least enlighten some, some high school guys to go to school because, hey, you know what, I can I can make a little bit of cash. Um, you know, and my rebuttal to that is, you know, we're given the opportunity to start your professional career at 18 opposed to maybe 21 or, you know, if they are junior college, 19 or 20, but to get started sooner. And, you know, hopefully the end goal is to be a big leaguer and, um, you know, it's, it's a different pass for everybody, but, you know, that's, that's the uh, benefit is, hey, I'm going to become a professional right now and start my path. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of, again, that's kind of the rebuttal to it all. Yeah, they all have the clock. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, again, not to get too in-depth here, but, you know, that one year I was coaching, um, you know, we had a, a 22-year-old that came out of the SEC and a, a 20-year-old at the time who signed right out of high school. <clears throat> and so they both been playing professionally for two years. Uh and to see the, the maturity level difference between the two, I'm talking baseball, was completely different. You know, um, you see a kid that got started at an early age, he's kind of been through this and knew how to prepare and play 140 games, where it is minor leagues, uh, versus a kid that was just coming out of college and maybe more mature off the field and been through, you know, living on his own, so on and so forth, but was still learning how to become a professional. And that's kind of cliche, but there is a lot of truth to that. Um, so, yeah, like, you, you just see the maturation process start at an earlier age. Um, you know, is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we see a guy like Robert Moore who's who's in Fayetteville right now that seems like he, he's probably could be a senior and playing at the next level immediately. So his, his, yeah, I mean, his demeanor is amazing on the field. Yeah, and, and, uh, you know, growing up with, with his dad and just being around the game, being around the professional game. And, um, you know, with, with him specifically, there was no doubt in my mind that, um, you know, he wasn't ready for professional baseball mentally. Um, you know, I just think it was the physical things that he needed to, to, you know, get better at. And that's, you know, maybe one of the reasons why he chose to go to school early, but yeah, you see what, again, that's another one that you see opening weekend and <clears throat> here's this kid that's supposed to be a senior in high school. And then, Shoot! By the end of it, before this thing all got shut down, you know he's he's leading the team. He's hitting home runs at Minute Maid, and yeah, you know, it, it, yeah, it, 
again, and it's different strokes for different folks, right? Like, I mean, sometimes guys need to go to school and, and grow up. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it just depends. So on the money thing and, and these guys coming in, as you start looking at uh, the kind of the strangeness of this draft, you know, this draft season and, and the money that may be out there, I haven't, I haven't looked it up in the last little bit, but I know initially there was some talk about, you know, being capped at 10% of their, of their bonus up front. Or, um, is that still the case right now? As far as I understand, yeah, everything's going to be deferred for a couple of years. Um, I, I believe the last thing I heard, uh, I think it was 100000 up front. Uh, and then again, the rest of the money is going to be deferred for the next couple of years. So, with obviously with the NCAA adding this extra year, letting all these guys come back for another season, are you seeing any pushback from guys that would normally be a top-rated guy that may think, you know, wait till next year, I might get the full money, or if I come, you know, versus coming out this year? Not yet. Um, you know, with, without knowing the exact draft date, um, I haven't really started those conversations yet. Um, you know, first and foremost, you know, I don't know if you guys are aware, but uh, once. Major League Baseball, you know, stopped spring training and, and we pulled, pulled the scouts off the road. There was no communication allowed from the scouts to coaches, trainers, players, right. um, you know, for a couple of weeks. So yeah. once we got to start talking to them, it's about the human element. You know, you get to know these guys mm-hmm. and it's not about, you know, in March, hey, are you going to sign for this much money? It's, hey, how's your family? You know, are you guys healthy? Are you guys safe? Um, so that was kind of the, 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 I guess, mindset up to this point. Um, I believe there's going to be a ruling on when the draft will be and you'll see the, those talks ramp up pretty quickly. Um, so I haven't seen a whole lot yet. All right now, it's just speculation and, uh, you know, speculation get you in trouble. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> All right. Steve, I greatly appreciate you coming on with us, man. It's a yeah. lot of great wealth of information and hope to have you on in the future as well as we get closer to the draft. Maybe you yeah. can break down some stuff with us and, uh, we greatly appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man. Anytime. Guys. You know, uh, I enjoy doing this type of stuff. It's a lot of fun, and, and I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. And anytime you guys want to talk, man, just give me a call. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us, Steve. No problem, guys. All right, when we get back, guys, we're going to hit on, uh, we're going to continue our series on the Razorback signees and these guys that we hope to see on the Hill this fall. Uh, so hang around with us. We'll be right back. Support for this episode of Around the Diamond is provided by Arkansas Car Clinic. Arkansas Car Clinic is a locally owned business located in Benton, Arkansas. Mike and his team do it all and at a fraction of the cost and time of the big body shops. Their goal is to keep you and your vehicle happy and looking great. Whether it's minor scratches, dents, or you hit one of those huge Arkansas bucks, Arkansas Car Clinic is your go-to locally owned shop. They also handle windshield replacement, spray and bed liners, auto detailing, or if you're like me and find every drive throughs curb, they handle wheel repairs as well. Give Mike a call at 501-575-6357 to get your vehicle back to that like-new condition. Welcome back, everybody. 
What a fun segment with Stephen Moretz. We really appreciate Steve joining us. Uh, man, it's, it's always good to get good, to, good, knowledgeable guys in on the podcast and, and really help us help us really decipher what's going on at the Major League Baseball level right now. So uh, big time, big time guest there with Steve. Really appreciate him joining us. Yeah, it really was. And we, we can talk to coaches and players all we want to. And we have access to a lot of really good ones in this state. We're very fortunate. But to get somebody's outside perspective on what they're seeing and that are, you know, in an organization like the Padres that can give us information that we can disseminate to our listeners and viewers, it's really important. So we're very fortunate to have relationship with Steve and moving forward we'll have him on uh, hopefully for some draft insight and what we can look for as we move forward into uh, the 2020 Major League season. Yeah, without a doubt. I'd love to get him back on and, and really pick the brain of pick his brain on some of these guys that Arkansas's got coming out too. So uh, and get his thoughts as we get closer to uh, to draft time. So uh, certainly looking forward to that. But not to take anything away from what we've got going on here tonight. Really excited uh, to continue this rundown of Razorback uh, signees that we really hope that we will see on the hill come this fall. So um, you know, a few of these guys. Who knows? We'll. See see what happens but uh the first guy i want us to talk about might have a strange last name but there's nothing strange about his baseball talents right-handed pitcher nate wolgamuth from owasu oklahoma could be an instant impact contributor assuming he makes it to campus first off what's our odds of that happening kevin i think they're pretty good because he could be a two-year guy nate's already not he'll be 19 years old at the time of the draft he's about to turn uh in in june i believe so he'll have the ability to play two years and then go pro. That was one of the big things that Dave Van Horn and Nate Thompson and Matt Hobbs sold to Nate and said, look, you come here two years with all these guys. We're going to win a College World Series, and then you can go make all the money you want to. And Nate has been on the scene for a long time now. And when I say long time, probably since he was 13, 14 years old, because when he was 14, he was throwing in the low 90s. He was built. You know, like a linebacker, he was about 215, 220 at the time and could squat a Buick. So, at, you know, as he got older, he trimmed up a little bit. And this past fall down in Jupiter, Florida, he threw, he was up to 97 miles per hour and threw a no hitter at the World Championships for perfect game. So, it's a lot, it's been a lot of fun to watch him grow, develop. He's not just a flamethrower, he's a pitcher. Of course, anybody that young with that much velocity, there's always worry about Tommy John, things like that. But he is a student of the game. He's taking care of his body. He knows how to lift weights, do it so it was it does not hurt him. And just being able to watch him, his stuff is electric. He's a front end guy, and I know we talked about Tink Hintz and Nick Griffin on our last episode. But if you get three guys like that, you're looking at a, a lot of a lot of smoke coming off the mound. Yeah, no doubt. So I wanted to get into, uh, and this is more for our folks that are watching us on YouTube, but there's an interview here. Uh, you were talking about the no-hitter, and I watched this video. It's about two minutes long, and I wanted to play it kind of in its entirety here because if you're watching on YouTube, and I highly suggest that you guys hop over and 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 subscribe to our YouTube channel at Natural State Sports. Uh, most of our podcasts will be streamed there, whether they're live or will be uploaded there. Uh, you'll be able to see them. But the fun part is we try to put a little bit of detail in there with 
with these things as well uh, that obviously you can't put out on a podcast and, and, and as far as visual. So um, this, I thought, was a pretty neat interview uh, from Perfect Game um, after his no-hitter and, and kind of him talking about the uh, uh, how all that worked out. So I wanted to play that real quick uh, before we get into the rest of the baseball guru here uh, and in his scouting report. So give me just a minute to hop over there. Pretty amazing, dude. What made you think you were able to do that late last night? Consistent, it's a big pressure situation. What was going through your mind? It all started just from the start of the game. It just seemed like I showed up to the ballpark. Once I got to the field, it was just locked in, just threw some music in, just right then and there, I kind of had the feeling that it was just going to be a a good start. Just, I felt locked in the entire time. What kind of mechanics training have you done over the years to uh, be able to generate that kind of power uh, being, you know, almost just under six foot tall? At a young age, it was more of trying to get in my lower half because I've always had a quick arm, but my lower half has always been like the best thing for me. It's been strong. And so just working on getting my backside to fire through and just getting my hips to work quick. If the mound has a hole here in the middle, is usually where I pitch. The key is tempo. I just think about slowing the game down, slowing my body down and just going through really nice and smooth, getting everything under control. And then when I get out in front, it's effort. It's effort late on my curveball. It's just how much can I can I get it to bite and how much I'm trying to make the hitter look like he's never hit before. So that's kind of more the key. With my changeup, I'm just thinking in my head, it's a fastball and I'm just throwing it exactly like a fastball, trying to throw it just as hard as a fastball and it looks like a fastball and just breaks off. Some people work on getting the hole right. where you can see through. The circle, yeah. But I tend to throw that super hard when I do that, so right. I learned at a young age to choke it off, and that's where I get the, the depth of the drop. And that's why when I throw it to lefties and sometimes to righties, it's it's an effective pitch. When I'm throwing curveballs, when I sometimes when I get here, I kind of cut it off, and those aren't the good ones. When right. I get it and I get it out in front and it flips out, it's more of the 12-6 bike. extension, getting out front on top and pulling down the front of the ball, right? Yes, sir. Last night I threw uh, quite a few two seams. So I picked a spot on that umpire and I was trying to make it look where this two seam is looks like it's about to hit the lefty, but it really was never. And so they were. You have a good, really good rotation. I watched some video of the game. Uh, really good arm tug down. I work a little bit on putting a ball, maybe a little bit heavier ball in my glove and then feeling that come through. I'm hitting, stopping, and then it's just kind of like falling off to the side. It really makes a good bite and good 12-6. Well, congratulations. Way to go. All right. Good stuff there. Uh, if you get a chance, hop on YouTube, The Perfect Game, and uh, they've got some really, really good stuff. Uh, well, we're going to share a little bit more here in just a bit, but wanted to throw that out there. So, I mean, when you listen to that, you hear a guy in Wolgamuth that he sounds like he he's at least got the, the mindset and he's been well coached and he's he's ready for this level of baseball. Yeah, he's really advanced. And he's talking about the power he generates. And when you watch video of Nate, you see that just like the great pitchers, Nolan Ryan, Roger Clemens, those were big guys. And they generated their power from the ground up. And Nate has really strong lower half. And his fastball range was 94 to 97 the whole game for seven innings. He struck out 14. He only walked two. And that just shows you what kind of pitcher this guy is. And he's not throwing up against there against little leaguers. These guys are some of the best in the nation. 
and he did a really good job. And he's got a power changeup. He talked about his two-steam. His two-steam has a lot of arm side run and some sink to it, but he's got a power changeup, and his curveball comes in in the low 80s. So if it, if he's really in sync and in tune, he talked about his arm slot and where he gets out front and he can flip that curveball. It's really hard to see whether it's going to be 97 or 80 coming out of his hand. And once you see 80, 97 is going to look like 146. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's, it's really fun to watch this kid pitch. Well, and, and again, for those of you that, that are following on, along on YouTube right now or, or watching, uh, you're watching some of the movement. I've got a little highlight video just playing in the background and and uh, the movement on what he throws. I mean, you just threw one there that the catcher couldn't catch up to because it had so much movement on it. So um, some of the stuff, man, some of that stuff is just not fair. So uh, highly suggest yeah. you get over to our YouTube <laughs> channel and see some of the stuff that this kid throws because he, he's an exciting one. And when you look at what he brings to the table and the skills that he has and as advanced as he is right now uh, you know he could be a really early contributor and uh, and do a lot of good things on the hill definitely steve and you know like i said he's got two years and he can go pro uh he really wants to go to school with some of these guys that are already committed signed so it's gonna be a lot of fun and hopefully we get him up there on the hill yeah, without a doubt. So let me jump back over here. So the next guy we're going to talk about real quick uh, is going to be David Calabrese. So tell me, number one, right off the right off the bat here, um, how in the world? I mean, this just shows the reach of a guy like Dave Van Horn to grab a guy out of Canada. <laughs> so yeah, the, David Calabrese, the the quick Canadian, and yeah, it does show you that Dave Van Horn is. He does not stay in Northwest Arkansas. He goes global, international to get the best players. And David Calabrese plays for the Ontario Blue Jays. And the Ontario Blue Jays is a program out of Ontario, Canada. And they travel and play baseball in the southern part of the United States. We played them last fall in October before we went to Jupiter. And what they do is they travel as a baseball club. I believe they got 25 to 30 players on their roster. And they travel down for a week. They'll play in different parts if they want to pick up some games in the Mid-Atlantic and the Virginias and play some of those teams up there on their way down to their tournament. They'll do that. They have tutors on the bus. They will they don't miss any class because they're taking virtual classes, a lot like people are now. So Dave Van Horn and Nate Thompson saw Calabrese at an event. And when you see David, you don't think, wow, especially when you compare him to a Caden Wallace or David or uh, – Nate Wolgamuth, who are just big physical guys. Calabrese, 5'10", 160. He's a lot like, kind of like Robert Moore, not an imposing figure physically. So, but then you watch the guy play. He's a left-handed hitter, center fielder, has really good instincts out there. He patrols the big green ocean, as I like to say, with ease. He has really good instincts off the bat. He has great angles to the ball. Really, he's a really good speedster. He's one of those guys that, if you if you look at him run, it's effortless, and he controls the bat really well. He he can handle high velocity pitching, and he has gap to gap power. And we've talked about it on this show before. Gap to gap power is you know in the in the power alleys, and he's got it from the left all the way over to the right, which is his pull side. And it's a lot of fun to watch the young man hit. He doesn't have the power element yet that will come with maturity. He's one of those young guys as well. We talked about Tink Kent and Nick Griffin. He he'll he'll be eighteen in December, I believe, or, or in the fall. So 
he won't even be 18 at the time of the draft. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch him. He is ranked in the top 100 on a lot of draft boards right now. He was in the MLB top 300 that went out to all the all 30 teams. So it's going to be a fight to see if he gets the number that he really wants in the draft in a, in a couple of months, if he makes it to Arkansas or not. He's really shot up draft boards. The perfect game had him as one of their top 10 risers uh, over the spring. I was going to say, he definitely seems to be making a rise quickly. You mentioned the top 100 ranking. You, know, you look at his perfect game ranking, and he's actually rated you know below some of these other guys, but ahead of him in the MLB rankings is you know, perfect game, I think, has him rated as about an 8 on their on their 1 to 10 scale. So, uh, But you know MLB rankings, they've got him in some of these drafts, like you said, in the top 100. So um, definitely looks, you know, like you said, he's a smaller guy, um, but uh, you, you watch some of these, these, these highlights we got going up on the on the screen right now and he definitely he's got a lot of talent uh, got a lot of tools to bring to 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 Fayetteville so um, again is this a guy that we think we can count on I mean obviously things are strange but uh, things that we may see guy we may see on on the hill this fall yeah and Steve Moritz just talked about Robert Moore how he wasn't ready physically to go to pro ball so that might be our saving grace and getting David on campus David and you talk about his his grade from perfect game of being an eight and being in Ontario, Canada, you, you can't travel to Arizona or Texas or Atlanta at the drop of a hat. So he didn't get to participate in every event like these other guys did, but he did participate in the underclass national showcase. And I believe that's where they got his, his uh, first grade and a lot of his measurements. But David's a six five, six six runner. He's going to be 90 miles per hour from the outfield. And he's going to be real quick down the line controls the bat really well. Think of a high average, you know, low power guy that's going to be one kind of comparing to Jake Mangum, just a little bit more athletic uh, with, with that high motor. So safe to say that this outfield is going to be insanely talented. Um, not like no it's doubt. not already. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you got the guys that are out there right now already, but I mean, geez, you, you look at the names coming in and, and I mean, you know, you're obviously looking for a replacement for a curse dad and, and some other guys. And shh, there's some, some serious talent that's about to walk up on campus, hopefully here in a couple of months. Yeah, you got, you'll have Christian Franklin out there, and you got uh, some other guys too. I know Heston's going to be gone, and then you got Braden Webb. He's not sure what he's going to do yet, but if he's back, but you know, you got Calabrese, another couple of guys that we're going to talk about Clayton Gray, Ethan Bates. Uh, if you can hit, you're going to play. And that's the biggest thing when these guys get on campus, they're going to find out who can hit, who can hit with consistency. And that's what's going to be the makeup of this 2021 Razorback team. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, let's jump into Clayton Gray. You mentioned him a minute ago, but Clayton Gray, an outfielder out of Cabot, Arkansas, another homegrown kid uh, that I am looking forward to up on the hill for sure. Uh, let me jump around here on my YouTube side because this one was a little more difficult to hunt up. So um, not a whole lot of highlights I could really find to mess with here. So, uh, oh, and I don't want that one to play sound either. <laughs> Um, but uh, let me fix that. So anyway, getting getting into Clayton Clayton Gray, um, big time, a lot of pop. Another lefty, um, good size. Another guy that's that's really well thought of by most of the uh, by most of the services out there. Uh, what can you tell us about Clayton Gray? So Clayton really shot up the boards, whether it be you know, his draft stock, whatever it may be. 
this past year just because of his work ethic. Clayton, you know, he's a homegrown product from Cabot, Arkansas, part of that great Cabot Panther baseball program, and left-handed hitter, sub six five. So he measured a six four seven in his sixty time down at the uh, Perfect Game National Showcase last summer, and you look at him, he's five ten. 11 buck 65 he's going to put on more weight he's got present strength right now he can hit the ball out of the ballpark but he is one of those fast switch guys Steve and it's just a lot of fun to watch him play he's a lot like Casey Martin when it comes to his motor and he, everything is fast everything's 196 miles per hour with him so you're not going to outplay him on the field you're not going to out hustle him and it's a lot of fun to watch him play I've had the privilege to coach him for the last four years during the summer, and he's just gotten better every time out. He can hit leadoff. He can hit in the two-hole. He, he has the power to drive in runs from the three or four holes. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Clayton. His arm has gotten better in the outfield. That was the knock on him in the past. But I believe once he steps on campus in the fall, due to his work ethic, he'll have a 90-mile-per-hour arm coming from the outfield. And that's what has turned the attention of major league programs. I don't think he goes in the draft, Steve, but it's definitely got teams on the radar for three years down the line. Well, and again, another guy that's, you know, like we were talking about, highly rated, 9.5 uh, perfect perfect game grade. So um, definitely a guy that, that's probably going to have a really good look at the other level, at the next level. You know, you we talked about, you were talking about the ages and the two-year guys. Now, does Clayton fall into that that two-year, that two-year? Uh, I know he's, he's with 18 and seven months at the, at the 2020 draft. So how does that work? Is this a guy we'll see on campus for two years or three years? He, he's a three-year guy. He's not quite there to where – and you, you can really tell if you look at Perfect Game, they give the age at the at the 2020 draft. Nate Wogamuth is going to be 19 years old. If you're 18 years and 11 months, you're going to qualify for the 2023 draft. That'll be two years of college. Clayton is going to be there three years. It, hopefully, he decides that's where he wants to be. And I would say it's 98.6% sure that he is. So yeah, he's going to be there for three years if he is. A lot like. Um, not like Andrew Benintendi, but uh, Dominic Fletcher. Right. my mind for a minute. But, yeah, he's going to be there for three years. Has the ability to be that next great center fielder for the Hogs. I think that's a good point to make sure that everyone understands. We, you know, when we start talking about folks that are that are that are listening, and we're trying to get information out, you know, the rule is a little strange there. So I think it's good to clarify exactly how that that two year w- rule works. So I'm glad we were we were able to get that in there as well because, um, like I said, that, that's a very confusing. A lot of you know, a lot of folks didn't realize that Connor Nolan fell under that and, and could could yeah. look as well. So, some think you know with. With every major sport having different rules, with basketball, it's one and done. They're about to do away with that. In high, in baseball, you can go out of high school, but if you go to a four-year college, you have to wait two or three years, depending on your birthday. But if you come out of high school and go to a junior college, you're eligible for the draft immediately after that one year of JUCO. So it's it's all a numbers game as far as money, where it's concerned. And you know, a lot of these guys are getting great advice on what they need to do uh, the the big guy from that got drafted by the nationals that was at arkansas the six eight six nine righty uh, jackson rutledge yeah. went to san jacinto junior college and got his fastball up to 99 miles per hour 100 miles per hour and went in the first round to the washington nationals so it 
everybody's a little different. Like Steve Ritz said, everybody has their own path. Hopefully a lot of these guys are going to be at Arkansas for two or three years and we can bring that title home from Omaha. Yeah, without a doubt. So I know that you've got something that you wanted to talk about a little bit before we finish up tonight. Uh, uh, tell us about what is it. Now is it rock, paper, scissors? Tell us about that and how this thing works. <laughs> yeah, it is. A good buddy of mine at Coaches Baseball at Cabot, Cody Perrin, uh, wanted to put together a charity fundraiser for Arkansas Children's Hospital. And he got some of the local celebrities uh, from around Central Arkansas and the state uh, to participate in a rock, paper, scissors tournament. Uh, so 16 local celebrities. We've got Hunter Henry, uh, Joe Adams from the Razorbacks, KTV personalities, Todd Jacobian, Ansley Watson, Allison Courtney. Got some guys from The Buzz, Randy Rainwater, Justin Acre, Wes Moore, former Senator and Speaker of the House, Shane Broadway, are going to participate. And it's going to be all streamed online with social media Friday at 7.30, uh, whether it be Twitter, Facebook Live, and Instagram, and YouTube. So there will be a link if you're able to tune in at 7.30. There will be a link that goes directly to Arkansas Children's Hospital to where you can donate uh, and raise money for, for a really good cause. Uh, it's been had a lot of fun, you know, putting brackets together and there's a little bit been a little bit of trash talking going on recently uh tory and lexi weeks are also in the tournament so it's going to be a lot of fun raise money for a good cause during during a tough time for all our campuses yeah without a doubt make sure you guys join uh and and find the link for that hop on and uh and and donate uh, great great cause there arkansas children's hospital obviously special place in most folks heart i've had a uh, some friends of ours who who've unfortunately had to spend a lot of time there over the last few months so anything we can do to support arkansas children's hospital we can 100 percent get behind that's right and yeah Cody's always done a good job in getting the community involvement. He's been up there at Cabot, Clayton Gray, Houston King, some of the guys that learned underneath him. And it's just going to make those guys better husbands and better adults in the future. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, that's going to do it for another episode of Around the Diamond. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe this podcast. And please leave us a five-star review. Uh, obviously, if we have earned your five-star review, we want to get it. Uh, those reviews help us out, and we want to keep that, that those reviews at five stars. Plus, we want to know what you guys think from a comment perspective of what we can do better. Also, anybody that you guys may want to see or hear come on the podcast, uh, please let us know. And, and don't forget to sign up for live notifications on our Facebook page, Natural State Sports, so you don't miss our live shows. We get things kicked off on Thursdays with the Sports Junkies at 7.30 Central. And then don't miss Zach and Andy for NSS Live every Friday night at 7.30 Central as well. Once again, guys, thanks for joining us. And until next week, wash those hands and play ball.